Hello everyone, welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And on today's episode, we are featuring one of our Canadian dad bloggers, Stephen Fung, who's actually from uh, stephenfung.net, and he has a few other sites, and he's actually based from Vancouver as well. Um, so uh, just like me, we're both from Vancouver, but actually, ironically, we actually never met in person, just connected through social media and now uh, through Google Hangouts and iTunes. So yeah, Stephen, why didn't you so. uh, share a little bit more about yourself to start off with? Well, uh, I run, you know, as you said, I run uh, three different websites, but two of them are more of my focus. There is megatechnews.com, which is kind of the front runner right now because it deals with a lot more consumer mass market technology, uh, electronics like your smartphone, your video games and, and whatnot. I, I started with futurelooks.com, which was your computer hardware website where I got to review hardware and all that other stuff and build PCs. Uh, I have my personal blog, which is stephenfung.net. Uh, it gets a little bit less love because I have transitioned to doing vlogging on, on YouTube, but I will be hopefully reposting a lot of my, my blog posts with a little bit more detail onto stephenfung.net. But you can find me at uh, youtube.com slash stephenfung.net. <laughs> yeah, easy peasy. So uh, I've actually seen some of your videos and they're phenomenal. You do a great job of unboxing and reviewing projects and uh, products and gadgets. Um, so obviously you're a tech blogger, gadget blogger, etc. Um, how do you manage uh, all three sites and also your dad and a husband? Uh, walk us through this uh, work-life balance because I find it hard enough to balance one, manage one site and you're doing three, plus you're working and you have three kids, etc. So walk us through. Basically, my brain doesn't turn off. So as as I'm sleeping, I'm basically doing to-do lists in my head. So I really don't get a good night's sleep ever. Uh, using that list though, however, it keeps me more organized during the day. So I have things that I need to check off for all of the sites. Um, just recently, we did a huge uh, you know, optimization for all the websites, which helped its uh, performance and everything like that. So things like that, I make a list of things I actually need to do, and then I do them. But it takes me a while, mainly because of all this juggling that, that, that goes on, right? Obviously, if I was a bachelor, I'd spend you know two nights with a bunch of Red Bull and do this all in two days. But what would take normally take me two days now takes me a couple weeks now. But having said that, though, I get to slow down and think, you know what, maybe I shouldn't be doing this or maybe I should be doing that. So I think in, in some senses, it actually helps me think of a more clear path and a better outcome by slowing it down a little bit and having these side distractions. Um, so that's amazing you're able to balance those three. Uh, so what are the major topics and themes you're writing about on your blogs? Well, right now as it stands, I think uh, Megatech News is our focus. Uh, that's a site that I run with uh, another local Vancouver dad blogger, uh, Michael Kwan. And uh, with, with his help, we've been able to keep that site going and cover all the major news that comes in from, from the tech world, like the latest iPhone launch, uh, what Android is and Google are doing, uh, what Elon Musk is up to, you know, things like that that impact our everyday life that uh, are things that we may actually be, be able to purchase and, and utilize as, uh, as normal consumers, right? Yeah, you know, especially for dads, we need a lot of gadgets. So any favorites in terms of uh, specifically to do with uh, the dad market, uh, us fellow gadget-loving dads, anything that you particularly like? Well, I think that uh, one of the things that as dads and as parents in general like is vehicles. And uh, one of the things that I recently had an opportunity to do was uh, go hang out with Ford, uh, Ford Canada uh, in Muskoka, where they actually treated me exactly like Ajax, Credited, accredited journalist, which I really appreciated. It took me a very long time to, to earn 
uh, a place in that kind of space where people actually take me seriously. And I <laughs> and I and I had uh, the opportunity to not only talk to them and pick their brains on what they thought were you know good family vehicles, but I also had an opportunity to drive some of their SUVs and and really see just how far uh, technology has been taken in some of their vehicles, but also to relate that to what I can afford as well too. And I. I really want those features. They, they've actually done a pretty good job. That's not an endorsement for Ford, by the way. I just so happen to have driven their cars, and I really appreciate them. Yeah, you know, I worked with a lot of car companies, too, back in Vancouver. Ford was one of them, and um, Hyundai, and um, um, I'm trying to think of the others. Um, Chevrolet, Chevrolet. Mm -hmm. um, so tell us about some of your favorite family cars. I particularly like the Honda Odyssey because they have a built-in vacuum, vacuum cleaner, which is great for us dads with young kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, Anything stand out for you, Stephen? Well, I'm trying to stay off the, the, the minivan train. So what, what is my favorite vehicle at the moment is actually between two vehicles. I really like the way that the new Ford Explorer Sport drives. Uh, it has a fantastic twin scroll turbo engine inside with over 300 plus horsepower. I know that in, during the morning, we have to get the kids to school very quickly. So that helps out quite a bit within the speed limits, of course. <laughs> and of course, um, the other vehicle that I really enjoy right now is uh, I really enjoy what the uh, Toyota has been doing with their Highlander. Uh, it is a very big vehicle in a quite a small package. I don't know how the Japanese have done this, but they figured out how to get all the space into such a such a reasonably sized car that I can, I can actually park in front of my, my house. So they've done something really cool, plus all the gadgets, of course, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, you know, one of the things we cover on the show is how do you monetize uh, your blog? Because that's a struggle that every blogger has, even if you've been doing it for years on end. Um, it's much easier to get free stuff. You know, uh, I can see behind you, you've probably got a free stuff there on the video, and you have to review them. Yeah, there's a lot of free stuff back here. Um, I've gotten over the years uh, things that will probably be fairly timeless to me because as I build more PCs, I'm just going to end up going through this stash back here you know keyboards and mice and fans and motherboards and heat sinks and whatever but i think that moving forward though i think that where things will lead us is probably in the direction of video i think that um just recently uh there was a little bit of a controversy inside the tech sphere where a certain um video vlogger uh or blogger or how should i he I, I don't know. He he's a YouTuber. Let's just call him a YouTuber. He's more like that. But uh, he got the scoop on a very big um, launch of a product from a very prominent um, CPU manufacturer, not Intel, the other guy. And um, the entire tech press was very upset because he got treated better than the tech press got, but got treated. But the main reason, and this is just a business thing, is that he has four million. YouTube subscribers and most of the other sites that are competing for this, you know, piece of the pie, they don't have nearly as much reach as they do on, on, on YouTube, right? So, I mean, it makes sense they went with that. And I think that as a result of that decision from, from that manufacturer, I think we're going to see a lot more outreach in that space. I think people are going to see a lot more video. I think that the entire uh, Zenio, Millennial um, and, 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 and uh, younger uh, generation will want to see a short video rather than a 10-page review of something like that. I think that's that's where the whole market's going, and I think that that's where the monetization monetization will help because 
if you're going down that route, if you're you're building your following, if you have enough of following, you're going to be able to ask for more money than someone who just writes a single post or who does tweets or who, who does Instagram. The video is 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 definitely something that uh, I I'm I fully believe in and something that a lot of us definitely have to be have to get better at. And uh, I struggle every day to 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 tell my story. I mean, here I am uh, on a live podcast. I I don't have a script in front of me, and, and it, I find this very difficult. Well, you're doing a great job, Stephen. Um, I like uh, my podcast interviews to be impromptu. I actually don't ever send questions to any of my guests uh, because I feel like it's just like a Starbucks uh, conversation. Like we're pretend we're in Starbucks or blends, and we're just having a chat, uh, and it happens to be on a video. So you're doing a great job and uh, some great insights so far. Um, you, you also do uh, video unboxings, and uh, you've done a great job with those video unboxings. Sometimes, actually, I see you do a one-handed video unboxing by holding uh, a camera. I have no idea how you do that, but uh, walk us through what makes a good unboxing video. I think that's an uh, area that a lot of bloggers want to improve on. I know I certainly do, so walk us through what makes a good unboxing. Well, I think that the one-handed unboxing was actually a play on um, unboxing therapy. Um, who is uh, one of the biggest unboxing uh, sites, Toronto-based guy. Uh, I think he's a dad, actually, too. I can't quite remember. But um, he does his unboxing therapy, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to do one-handed unboxing therapy. So I decided to do these really fun, quick little videos that I do on my cell phone. That's actually what I'm holding, holding a phone with a, a Joby uh, grip on it. And I'm just holding that up while I'm unboxing it. I use a nice, sharp knife so that I'm not struggling with getting through all the... Uh, packaging and everything like that. And what I address is I address people's curiosity of what the experience of diving in. It's kind of like a, 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 a POV type of look of what's actually happening. I have toyed around with wearing a GoPro on my head and, and doing something like that, but I've just found that editing really short one minute videos, it's much easier if it's already inside the phone. Then I use some software inside the phone like Adobe Premiere Clip and I've assembled the video, it's already uploaded before um, before the end of the day uh, versus having to sit down and actually do that. So I do a little bit of that. I haven't done that uh, as much because I found that um, putting the videos on YouTube, having a video that short, people don't seem to respond to that in that medium. It's fine when it's on Instagram or on, on, on uh, Facebook, but on YouTube, uh, on YouTube they, they seem to respond to something that's a little bit meatier, beefier, longer in length, probably around the three minute range. And, you know, I do videos like that as well, too. So you mentioned you use, uh, for example, your smartphone in some of the videos and uh, you use like a Joby grip. Um, what are some of the other equipment you use for your videos uh, just generally? In general, I, uh, I use for all my vlogs, one of my favorite cameras besides my cell phone is actually a Canon G7X Mark II which is something that was introduced to me by a certain very famous dad vlogger by the name of Casey Neistat. I, I'm sh pretty sure that we all know who he is. And um, he's the type of guy that doesn't really care how he gets the shot. He will sacrifice equipment to get it. And the fact that he has this camera that he's had for so long that has you know, stood his test, it's a sidearm, right? One of the sidearms that actually lasted really appealed to me because I hate breaking things. I, I try to baby things, but I know that if I do that, I'm not going to get the shots that I need. So with his endorsement, I went out and bought the Canon G7X Mark II and I use it in place of where I would normally use a GoPro uh, because I just don't care. <laughs> I just want that shot. And I've taken that philosophy that 
that, that Casey's also uh, taking towards equipment. And that's helped me make videos more often. Uh, the 28 videos that I did during my uh, stay-at-home dad experiment uh, really uh, made certain that my choice was the correct one. And I've been really enjoying that camera. I, I definitely recommend it. So other than that, I think you use uh, you uh, review a few different drones too, right? Yeah, um, the drone thing is kind of a sore spot for me in Canada, mainly because of the drone laws. When I received my drone after waiting three months for it, the Canadian government, the uh, the um, the Transport Canada, put down some laws that basically made me made it illegal for me to fly that thing, even in my backyard. I flew it for one day before they put those uh, laws in place. And they're actually quite ridiculous. I think one of them is that you can't fly over people within 100 feet. I mean, if someone runs underneath your, 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 your drone, including your kids or whatever, you're basically flying it illegally. And they're encouraging people to call the police. I mean, what the heck? <laughs> so yeah, I know fly I it in the U.S. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I've heard of that. Not, not just in Canada, but pretty much around the world. The drone laws are still... Um, you know, not uh, solid because it's a new technology and people obviously scared of like spies and, uh, you know, obviously uh, injury yeah. and the drone crashing on someone's head. So I can see why they ins installed those laws, yeah. but I, I agree with you a little bit too, too extreme, right? There's a lot of common sense that comes into play. You obviously don't want to fly it near any aircraft. You don't want to bother the police. You don't want to bother, unless the police need your help, you don't want to bother them. You don't want to be in people's way. You don't want to fly near power lines or, or anywhere where there's a high concentration of people unless you're obviously certified. Um, but I think that you know this really stunts the growth of this industry because there's just so much more that these products can do. Uh, other than spy on people like you're doing fantastic video you're doing uh, wonderful shots of uh, places where you normally wouldn't be able to get to just on your feet and you're bringing these images to people that really inspire them to maybe hey you know what that's really beautiful I want to go out there too so I think that the laws themselves really do the service to most Canadians who are flying legitimately I'm totally into uh, maybe a certified certification process where we do take a course, we do actually get certified, and I'm all over that. I just want an opportunity to be able to fly my equipment and take beautiful video, beautiful shots of things that I want to include maybe in my own content, my blogs, uh, or just uh, if, even in travel videos. I'm sure that, Ricky, if you had a drone with you, you'd be able to show off uh, Columbia in a, in a way that makes people want to want to come out tomorrow, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I'm actually pretty simple. I have a laptop and I have a smartphone. And I had a DSLR back in Vancouver, but I actually sold it because I didn't want to carry on a DSLR. And my kids, you know, they might uh, uh, pull it or it might get stolen and it might break. Um, so, and it's also just heavy. Uh, so yeah, I, chose, yeah. I chose not to uh, carry a DSLR, but I have a little iPhone and um, I have a little uh, tripod. So sometimes I'll use that. And it, it does the job. I mean, uh, the quality is good. And, um, I can do Facebook Lives, which I love doing, and mm -hmm. interviews, which I love doing as well. So I don't have a drone yet. Uh, that's definitely something I'm considering. But again, the same factors. It might get stolen. It might get lost. It might get broken. And uh, it, it is a little bit uh, cumbersome to carry when you're traveling long term. Yeah, and that's why I love the uh, Canon G7X Mark II, which is now my carry everywhere camera if I don't have any other cameras. Uh, mainly because the image quality is that much better over a smartphone. You get that much more leeway when it gets really dark. Um, and, you know, 
when it comes to transferring all the files onto your smartphone, if you really wanted to do this, you can definitely use the Wi-Fi connection to transfer all those files over and edit right onto your phone. And I found that uh, all those things, uh, including the ability for it to be stuck onto a tripod and mounted anywhere, has really helped out uh, my videography as well, too, in terms of making sure that I get the shot uh, when my phone isn't available because my phone is my communication device. If I lose that, I'm totally screwed. But if I lose the, the G7X Mark II, hey, you know what? I can buy another one of those and I'm not too worried about it. And that's goes the same for GoPros, right? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we touched on travel a little bit. Uh, I'm here in uh, Colombia, traveling around South America. Uh, tell us about some of your travels, uh, you know. Uh, tell us about uh, some of the travels you've done, both solo and family or couple. Well, when I travel alone, I usually travel to sleep. Uh, it's kind of one of the sad things that, uh, as a dad, when you go to a trade show and everyone's partying it up, I go back to my hotel room and have a nap. And uh, that's what's changed the most for me as a dad. Uh, I have, and recently I have uh, traveled to Europe. I have, for, for work, I've traveled to uh, Taiwan as part of a, uh, uh, the Taiwan Trade Association to check out some... Uh, their, their gaming industry for, for, for PC gaming to see what they're doing. Uh, that was a really fun trip for, for about a week. Uh, but the trips that I actually enjoy the most are uh, funny enough, even though they're the most stressful, and I know that you feel this way as too sometimes, is traveling with your kids. I, I know that up to a certain age, they probably won't remember any of the travel uh, opportunities that they get, but uh, seeing their faces when they discover something the, for the first time, or having the opportunity to just put everything down and just, hey, you know what, I'm in a new city and here are my kids, let's go explore. Uh, that's a really unique experience. And uh, I think that everyone should travel with their kids at some point uh, before they start to remember things. And of course, anytime after they start remembering those experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of kids, my uh, daughter actually loves co-hosting and she loves asking questions. So do you have a question for Stephen? What's your favorite country? My favorite country? My favorite country is Canada. Is that your favorite country too? That's why. Why? Why? Because this is where my home is. This is where my family is. And this is where I, I love living. Okay. Follow-up question? What's your second favorite country? <laughs> Hmm. My second favorite country right now that I would love to take my kids to one day is actually Taiwan. It's the second friendliest uh, country in the world, actually. The second friendliest country after, in the world after Canada, right? Funny enough, Canada wasn't actually the first. Uh, uh, I think it was like some Norwegian country. Maybe it's Sweden or Finland or something, but I was actually very surprised at that list. That was a, a list last year, so maybe it's changed this year. Who knows? But whenever I go to Taiwan, and I've been quite a few times over the last uh, few years, uh, I've always been impressed by the honesty of the people, by their generosity, and by the fact that they're willing to help. And for travelers from North America, there are quite a few people that do speak English there because it is the tech hub of Asia. That's where brands like ASUS, um, you know, Acer uh, and a lot of the other brands come from and you know even brands like Intel and AMD they do a lot of development in that country so a lot of English uh, speakers very westernized but also has this old world feel to it yeah we haven't actually been in Taiwan we've just transited uh, we transited uh, in, in Taiwan uh, 
twice already. And uh, yeah. both of the times when we're going to Philippines, where my wife's from. So we look forward to actually exploring that country. Uh, it's not really a country, too. It's kind of a debatable uh, state of China. But uh, yeah, yeah, looking forward to visiting Taiwan. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's a fantastic place to visit. It is just the right amount of Asia, the right amount of Western civilization, and the right amount of old school that you'll get uh, a well-rounded experience. It's definitely not China. It's definitely not Japan. It's, it's, it's really, it's its own country, even though they do speak Mandarin there. Yeah, you brought up something interesting too. You were saying like, uh, do our kids remember? And that's something I'm always uh, wondering about, pondering, because we're traveling with our kids who are quite young. This is our daughter who's uh, five, and our mm -hmm. son is three, and then our, uh, yeah, that's our son who's three, and then our uh, other son is one. Um, so let's do a little test. You can ask her some questions to see if she remembers. Go ahead. Do you remember the first time you went to Disneyland? Uh, what? Ask it again. Do you remember the very first time you went to Disneyland? Oh, he's asking if you remember your first time in Disneyland. Oh. When I was four. Mm -hmm. Where? Where did you go to Disneyland? Disney, Disneyland. Where? Which one though? Which city? Hong Kong. Yeah. And what was your favorite part? Mm. The Disney. The Disney Hotel. Oh, yeah, we stayed in the Disney Hotel. That was amazing, Stephen. Yeah, Disney hotels are fun, aren't they? Yeah, you know, you do a lot of hotel video reviews, and uh, we did one, too, <laughs> and I did one of those uh, mirror videos, you know, uh, yeah. walking around and shooting myself in the mirror. So any yeah, other questions you have for Rian? Uh, Mr. Randolph? Do you have any questions for Stephen before we end? What's your favorite animal? What's your favorite animal? My favorite animal? Actually, my favorite animal is the polar bear. I was going to say wow. panda, but I actually like the polar bear. And the reason why I like the polar <laughs> bear is because my kids like to watch this show, although they really shouldn't, but they, they get to watch it. It's tame enough. Uh, although, as adults, you kind of get more out of it than the kids do. It's called We Bear Bears, and it's on the uh, Cartoon Network. And it's about three bears, uh, a panda, a grizzly bear and then and a polar bear and the polar bear is the coolest of them all because he's the one that sits on the bottom and carries his brothers because they stack when they walk around it's kind of weird huh yeah we haven't seen that have we i saw that you have seen it i didn't yeah, yeah. we saw that yeah i seen in cartoons <laughs> yeah it's grizz and panda and ice bear right yeah yeah it's a cool show yeah, any final questions? Mm, what's your favorite food? My favorite food? I actually eat a lot of sushi. I like sushi. Sushi. I like steak too, but I like sushi. <laughs> I, I love sushi and steak. Yeah. My daughter doesn't like sushi yet. I don't know why, but I'm sure that she'll <laughs> discover it one day. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm curious about one thing. Uh, you and your uh, partner, they're, you're a mixed race, right? Tell us about your ethnicities and how, how do you handle that as a couple and a family? Well, um, I think that one of the things that's uh, uh, for us, it's just, it's just the way things are. Um, I wasn't born and uh, grown, growing up in, in any Asian country. So the only thing I knew was everyone else was different than I was, right? I grew up in a small town in 
on Vancouver Island, uh, Parksville, maybe you've heard of it, but that's where I grew up. And uh, as a result, you know, um, my, my, my culture was that. So as far as uh, any issues with that, I don't think there were any issues. My parents ran a restaurant there and it was cool. We, you know, that's, that's what I did. And uh, the fact that she's not Asian is not really a concern to me. Uh, the only thing that might be is, uh, I guess, uh, in terms of culturally, we do things differently. Like, for example, we, I barely used a dishwasher until I worked in the restaurant and she uses the dishwasher all the time. So there's these little tiny things that are completely different. Um, but I think that the only problem that we have is people's other problems with us. But, you know, and that's very far and few between, obviously. Um, but, you know, as far as that goes, I think, I don't think it really, for us, it's not really an issue. Yeah, I could, I could definitely relate to that. And I agree with you. For us, it's not an issue. I am actually uh, Indian, but born in Canada. And my wife's Filipino, but moved to Canada. And we uh, met at a local church. And we're dating, got married, and uh, have kids. And um, it's weird on the road because there's not many Indians or Filipinos traveling. So it feels a little bit weird when we're traveling. And there's like, you know, they, they, they just think I'm Indian, obviously, because that's how I look. And they think my wife's Chinese or yeah. Thai yeah, or something. It's more, uh, when we more talk, like it's their problem rather than it's our problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so it, it it's not a challenge, but it's just something. Uh, it's a talking point when we travel, and people are curious. Like, uh, and sometimes people still have their incorrect stereotype that uh, Canada is fully Caucasian, and I think yeah. as, as we're traveling, we're correcting that. Yeah, I think that um, sometimes I well maybe this is uh this it's more funny than a problem. But one time when uh, we went, we took my daughter to the children's hospital. Um, they were wondering if uh, my wife, who was her mom, they didn't know that that was her mom, uh, and asked, do you know anything about the childbirth? <laughs> I'm like, of course I know everything about childbirth. I was there. <laughs> and, but the fun, you know, and the funny thing is that when I came in looking for them, the, the nurse knew exactly where to take me. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny sometimes. We have those run-ins. So, uh, Stephen, to end off here, I'm curious to know about your vision going forward. You've established yourself as a successful blogger, a tech geek. Uh, you know, you have the three websites, you have the successful YouTube channel, uh, you know, uh, those the three wonderful kids. Uh, what is the vision for the future? Gee, um, the future is uh, wide open at this point. Uh, I think that things are changing all the time, and I don't think that I could really pin down what that vision is until I actually get there. But where I would like to go is I would like an opportunity to just do more video, to be more creative in that space. It's something that, uh, you know, inadvertently I kind of got dumped into because everyone was jumping into video. So I jumped into, but I actually find myself really liking it. Um, I've had an opportunity to work with a lot of different uh, groups over the past few years a lot of different companies doing videos and you know getting paid for for doing those things but you know it wasn't the money that, that motivated me because obviously if i put a dollar on every hour of, of editing that i did i probably would be making you know way below minimum wage but you know having said that though i think that because it's the future because you know content creation in that space is 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 growing so quickly uh i definitely want to be part of that 
whether it's with the websites or with uh, other clients like who I'm working with right now, which is House of Knives. Um, I do want to give them the gift of video. I want to be part of growing their presence online, and I want to be able to help them tell their stories online. I think um, a company like House of Knives who has a 30-year history, yet people don't really have a feeling of who they are, I think that's where video really steps in and really fills that gap. And being able to, for people to, in one minute, digest, oh, this is what they're all about. Wow, I didn't know that about them. I'm going to go visit them tomorrow. If I can elicit that response, I think I've done really well. Awesome. So we've covered a lot of topics, everything from you know car reviews to uh, tech uh, to fatherhood to family travel to intercultural relationships and much more. Uh, to end off here, if people are interested in finding out about you, Stephen, uh, your different websites, your social media, your YouTube channel, uh, how can they do that? What are the different links? Well, um, obviously, I have all my links on all my various uh, social media. So you can find me on Twitter at Stephen Fung, so S-T-E-P-H-E-N-F-U-N-G. You can also find me on Instagram at that same handle. You can find me on YouTube at stephenfung.net, which is stephenfung.dot.net. Uh, and you can also find uh, all of my channels linked throughout those, um, those social media as well, too. If you have any questions for me, definitely feel free to reach out. Uh, if you have any uh, ideas for stories or, or things, uh, definitely reach out to me as well there. Uh, I'm happy to answer those questions whenever I have a chance or a moment when they're not crawling over me, which I guess is one of those moments right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like with me, it's the opposite. My kids are here and they're busy playing, and that's part of the joy of fatherhood. You can do your work while the kids are around, and every now and then you lock the doors and say, no entry, <laughs> no entry till I'm done. But, uh... Yeah, I can't wait for them to have their own YouTube channel so that they understand what interruption is all about. <laughs> um, so thanks again, Stephen. Uh, you know, uh, thanks for your time today and your insights into uh, tech and fatherhood, family travel, and beyond. Thank you so much, Ricky. Really appreciate the opportunity. You're very welcome. So uh, thanks everyone for tuning into this episode. We're doing actually a little mini series on the Canadian dad bloggers. It's a very uh, narrow and a niche segment of the blogosphere. Obviously, you have the blogosphere, then you have the mamasphere, and then the datasphere. And then within that, you have the US dad bloggers and the Canadian dad bloggers. And I think there's only about 30 or 40 uh, really active dad bloggers across Canada. And I've interviewed, I think, about seven or eight of them. So stay tuned for more Canadian dad interviews. And if you're a dad, reach out to us. We love connecting with other dads even if you're not from Canada. Uh, and uh, thanks again, Stephen, for your time. And uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thank you. Bye. 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 Stay tuned.